and Carrie, the show where we don't just report on fringe science, spirituality, claims of the paranormal, cults, we start them ourselves. <laughs> That's right. When they make the claims, we make bigger claims <laughs> to start our own cults. That's right. I'm Thank Ross... you so much for joining. Yeah, I'm Ross Blotcher. <laughs> I'm Carrie Poppy. And uh, yeah, this is a, a fun look at a talk that I gave to SkepticalCon. Yes. I know I... what you're thinking. Skepti- isn't that just skeptical? No. Absolutely Skeptical, not. as in California. Yes. This is a conference held yearly in the San Francisco, Berkeley area. I went to the first one back in the day. Oh, really? Had okay. A, had a great time. Got to meet Yao Man Chan there, among many other people. I think I remember you talking about that. Seth Shostak was there. Lots of good people. Anyways, I was invited to give a talk actually last year. But then this pandemic thing happened. Yes. And so they didn't. Heard of it. Then they had it this year. And it was going to be on person. I was all ready to head up there. But then it uh, ended up being online. Okay. Which is cool because that means that that content is available online. Yeah. And so this talk that I'm about to give is called How to Start Your Own Cult. Yep. And, and it is a how-to guide. I would say actually useful information if you do want to start a cult. <laughs> uh, hopefully that is not the real takeaway. Ross is squinting. Wait, what did <laughs> I do what here? I, what have I done? Wait a minute. Yeah, uh-oh, this could come <laughs> back I call it this? in the future. Well, I just did what Ross told me to do. Uh-oh. But here's the other way to look at it. The blueprints to build are also the blueprints to deconstruct. Aha! I'm Carrie Poppy. I came up with that on the spot. That was pretty good. Yeah, but you figured it yeah. out. Which is exactly, this was also a way to spot cults in progress. Mm-hmm. And not just cults, but this covers a lot of ground about the things that we talk about on the show. Mm-hmm. And I think it was kind of a fun framework. So, uh, like I said, SkepticalCon, it's uh, spelled, I think, just like you would think, though, maybe you think different. So, it's <laughs> S-K-E-P-T-I-C-A-L-C-O-N dot com. Dot K-O. <laughs> nope, that's it. Okay. We're done. Not only was I giving a talk, but uh, if you go there, you can still get access and you can see my talk with the visuals and everything because there's a fun slideshow. And, uh, and you can also see talks by some of our former guests, like Britt yeah. Hermes, Elizabeth Loftus. This year was just, it was like they were, they listened to our show and they were like, well, these people are perfect. Yeah. Let's line them right up. Paul Offit, he was on it. And <laughs> you can you can still view all of those, including my talk, at skepticalcon.com. Uh, <laughs> you like that more than you should have. It's should've. really good. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I gave a similar talk the night before, kind of a version 1.0 to, to, the, to my wife. And then I gave another one to the Satanic Temple. Ah, uh, yes, friends of ours. Which is fine. So now they know how to start a cult, too. Some would argue <laughs> they already knew. But I wouldn't argue that. Okay. I'm just saying it in that voice to be a dick. Gotcha. So I do reference some of the visuals in the talk. I won't be posting the video because, like I say, you can get that at SkepticalCon. I think they'll be releasing it publicly sometime in the future. But I will post a Facebook album with some of the images from the talk, so you can see some of the slides there. I paid $20 to attend this in the moment. Did you get your money's worth? Oh, definitely. Yeah, Carrie was there and active. You will hear her referenced. Yes, but cue for you. If someone were to say, well, I want to see the video now, not in a year, can mm-hmm. they pay $20 now and still yeah. see it? Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. If you go to the site now, you can access the whole conference and Damn. Uh, watch all those talks. Yeah, I say worth good. it. Absolutely. I only got to tune in for you and Loftus, but... 
for 10 bucks each are pretty good. Well, and now you can go back and listen to Paul Offit. I He's really on like it? his talk. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and Brit Hermes. Yeah, I caught a lot of the talks and they were great. So uh, also I've removed a lot of the ums and ahs. So there mm. you go. That's a benefit. Great, great. Didn't notice a lot of ums and ahs, but good. even better. And my apologies for all the desk thump sounds. And I really, really enjoyed this talk. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I did. And uh, and Drew was watching along with me and afterward he was like, that's such a good introduction to, her, to your show. People are going to come and listen to your show now. Excellent. I said, I hope so. Good. Okay. Well, hopefully this will be a fun revisit of some of our investigations. Yeah. There will be lots of mentions of things we've covered before, but hopefully uh, some new observations as well. Yeah. Some good syntheses between different investigations. And there was a really wonderful introduction by Susan Gerbic. It got a little clipped, so I figured I would take that out. But just know that our friend Susan, who has been on the show a couple times, she introduced me and you'll hear her a little more towards the end. I'll introduce you then. Oh, hi, everyone. Welcome to Skeptical Con. Um, I'm Carrie, and this is my normal voice. Boy, today we just, we really have such a treat. Um, <laughs> this man, he has for 10 years been working in undercover investigations of fringe science, spirituality, and mm-hmm. claims of the paranormal. He's one of the best speakers out there. <laughs> he looks quite a lot like David Duchovny, right around like the mid 90s. And he's also just so funny, so smart, so personable. Everyone was asking us, when are you going to have him as a speaker? And we'd say, well, last year, you dumbass, why didn't you come? But that's okay. Not everybody follows exactly what's happening. So anyway, he's here this year, Ross Blotcher. Thank you, Karen. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. All right. Well, Today, we're going to learn about how to start your own cult uh, with Ross Blotcher. Uh, And yes, the double reading there is intended. If you get a good cult going, I want in on the ground floor. That's all I ask for sharing these tips with you. But clearly, we have some weighty terms here that need defining. For example, what is a Ross Blotcher? Well, uh, Susan told you a bit about me. I co-host the podcast Ono, Ross, and Carrie, which Susan was on very recently. Uh, So you can see Carrie and myself there in the the middle photos. And we both share a really uh, strange interest in investigating fringe science, alternative medicine, claims of the paranormal, and doing that firsthand and then sharing that. So that gives me a little bit of expertise on the subject matter here, just because I've interacted with a lot of fringe religious groups. And also, Susan mentioned, I'm part of the Center for Inquiry Investigations group. We offer a $200. $50,000 prize for uh, proof of claims of the paranormal. And so I think it's important to continually test and see, you know, if people have these abilities. Uh, And then, of course, the other term we might want to define is what is a cult? And this, of course, could be its own talk. So we won't get too deeply into this, but sort of that dictionary definition is it's a relatively small group. They have religious beliefs. Those beliefs are kind of an important part of it, even if there are examples of non-religious cults. Uh, But the, the religious aspect will be relevant to the talk that, that we're in right now. And then also that it's regarded as others by strange or sinister. So you can already see in that definition that there's a few wiggle terms like relatively small, how small are we talking about? And also what other people think about that group. So not everyone is always going to agree on what is or isn't a cult. 
So one kind of tongue-in-cheek way of saying that is just that a cult is someone else's religion or that it's one that's so small but has no political power yet. And there's always this kind of interest in when do you move from being sort of a small upstart group to a more established one. And so we have terms like new religious movement to kind of acknowledge that that aspect and take away some of the stigma of the term. Also, terms that address sort of the behavioral aspect, a high pressure group talking about the pressure that's put on its members or a destructive cult for those groups that do harm their own members. So again, we don't need to get too much into this for this particular talk, but I will point to a couple really helpful models. Steve Hassan uh, writes about the bite model, and that looks at behavioral information, thought and emotional control as, as ways to kind of understand and gauge a cult. So there's many more aspects than what are listed there for that model. Or the International Cultic Studies Association uh, has a list that they've revised over the years that's kind of, and I like this, it's sort of like a series of check boxes, essentially. So, you know, if you find that you're part of a group and they're really pushing the us versus them mentality, and they're constantly trying to recruit new members or get a lot of money out of their members, or the leaders are not beholden to the same rules everybody else's, when you start getting enough check boxes, uh, you start maybe getting towards a cult. So anyways, it's, it's a useful model and how to think about this is that rather than a one size fits all definition that you kind of start having enough aspects of a cult that you get a little suspicious. Wait a second, am I in a cult? But for the purposes of today's talk, it's enough for you to kind of go with whatever is in your mind already as a cult. Uh, as Supreme Court Justice Potter Stewart famously said when trying to define hardcore pornography and running into a wall, I know it when I see it. Uh, so that'll do. But let me just put this up front. Uh, generally, I do use the term cult very advisedly and carefully. Uh, and I, I recommend others do that as well. We're having a bit of fun here talking about how you can start your own cult. So just know that not every individual or every group that I refer to would I necessarily say is attached to a cult. So there we go. I've, I've said that. So another important aspect of starting your own cult is, you know, do you have what it takes to be a cult leader? Again, kind of a series of checkboxes, not any fast, hard definitions, but uh, some of the personality traits that we tend to see are narcissism, compulsive lying, extreme confidence, charisma. All of these things can help you pull a cult together. One thing that I find important in the whole mix is just chutzpah, the ability to kind of say things to people's faces that most of us can't. But as I say, you know, often if even if this profile of the right kind of person were one in a million, we should expect, you know, like 329 of those in the U.S. alone. Uh, so this can happen. And then another important aspect to look at is goals. You know, what are you trying to achieve? Uh, so a lot of people get into the cult game for power, control, fame, money, sex, the usual things. It's amazing how often it comes down to sex. Uh, but the one I'm really going to hone in on today is influence, which, of course, is tied to these others as well. But the idea that when you have influence, people care what you have to say, they want to listen to you, they hang on your every word. I think that's often really appealing to a potential cult leader. And the normal way to get that influence is to invent something or become an artist or an actor or an author, political leader or a billionaire, because then people will look at you and they'll say, ah, well, you know, she does all the things that I want to do. She has what I want to have. I'm going to listen to her tips on her daily schedule and how much sleep she gets and what she eats and, you know, what she thinks about politics. 
So I think one of the driving factors for people to start a cult is to kind of shortcut to that influence, a way to say, how do I get people to care about uh, what I'm saying and doing and listen to me without me having to go through all that hard work and trial and error and failure and sometimes just plain luck to get to a position of influence. And the case that I'm making here in this talk is that one way to do that, and again, very much tied to sort of our understanding of a cult, is to have supernatural aspects to that. So to claim to have a connection to supernatural powers. Now, for the purposes of this talk, I know the audience that I'm giving this to at Skeptical, uh, I don't really need to convince you about the existence of the supernatural one way or the other. But really, for the purposes of this conversation, they could exist or not. It really doesn't matter. Uh, what I'm going to show you are ways that you can act like you are supernatural, whether you are or not. So let's run through some methods. The first is just to proclaim it, say outright, I am God or the reincarnation of a God. Uh, that's usually how it works. Either you're incarnated or you're reincarnated. But we see this a lot with some of the best known cult groups. So, for example, Sun Myung Moon proclaimed to be the Messiah and the second coming of Christ. David Koresh of the Branch Davidians didn't claim to be Jesus per se, but he did say he was the son of God and the lamb. So he was using that language. Also that he was the modern Cyrus reincarnated figure from the Bible. From Alm Shimrikyo, you have Shoko Asahara, who also said that he was Christ and the only enlightened master. Jim Jones said he came from a lot of different lines, you know, including Akhenaten, Buddha, and Lenin, not John Lennon, uh, Vladimir. Uh, and then Krishna Venta, that's like a, a more local Ventura-based uh, cult leader. He even had the look going down uh, with his WKFL group. So you may notice a couple things. First of all, Jesus is really popular in all of this. Everybody loves Jesus, so you got to, you know, borrow that credibility somehow. And that's the idea, right? If you can claim that you are that person, then you're already inheriting whatever credibility they had. And you may notice that most of these are men. And most of the examples I could find were men. So if you uh, see some people who don't fall on that end of the gender spectrum, I'd be interested in hearing some other good examples. But we mentioned Jesus. Just be aware there's a little bit of peril here in that method, uh, which is that it didn't even always go over well for Jesus himself. Of course, there's the famous example of the crucifixion. You know that story. But I always think of Luke 4.24, where Jesus said, truly, I tell you, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. And this is for a reason. It's because when you get up and all of a sudden you decide, you know, what, I'm actually the reincarnated Cyrus or whoever, there's going to be people around you who are like, yeah, I know that guy. He's never said that before. And that's actually what happened exactly in that situation where people said like, um, you know, this is backwater Galilee. Aren't you the carpenter's son? Like, we know you. And so he had a big huff. And I, I, I won't get into the details of that as tempted as I would be. But they ended up trying to throw him off of a cliff. And somehow he magically uh, disappeared from the crowd. Anyways, method two, instead of just saying you yourself are a supernatural entity or God or gods, you can say that you have a connection to the supernatural. And I would say this is far more common. So again, it could be multiple gods. It could be God. Uh, Jesus, again, is a frequent target here. Because, again, everybody sort of has some built-in respect for Jesus. And so it's a great way just to say, you know, Jesus knows about these operations and he approves of them. So even in Islam, Jesus is respected as a prophet, even if he's not accepted as God. So here's a good example from the Self-Realization Fellowship, uh, the SRF that Carrie and I investigated. So they had 
this figure, Paramahansa Yogananda, he was the founder of this group who brought yoga from the West uh, or to the West, rather. He had his own guru and his guru had a guru. And there's some really fun stories here, especially about that guy's guru, uh, which we'll talk about in a bit. But, you know, you've got Krishna and Jesus in the center here. And as many sermons as I've heard from the SRF, there's been many, well, many, many stories about Paramahansa Yogananda, many stories about Krishna, I don't think I've heard a single reference to Jesus, but at least, again, he's there, he's approving. But it doesn't have to be that. There are many other ways to establish your connection to the supernatural. So this takes many forms. You could say that you have a, a deep connection to the universe through the Akashic records or source. You know, there's different terms for it that get used, but there's sort of this idea of there's just this sort of underlying supernatural answer to the Higgs boson that's kind of like just underlying everything. And and so you say, that's where I'm getting my information from. Uh, Teal Swan is an example of, of someone who says she gets information from source. We'll come back to her in just a bit. Uh, ascended masters. Those were kind of originally created in theosophy, but we've met them in Ekinkar, that Gandalf looking fellow that you see with the beard in the picture there. That's carries in my personal favorite, Fubi Kwans. That's just a great name. Also, the Aetherius Society, we encountered that same idea that you had these masters who lived on other planets, Uranus and Venus. Uh, another way is to channel. So you have figures like Jay-Z Knight in that center picture there, and others who, you know, claim that they can open themselves up and that this other intelligence fills them, comes through them and speaks through them. And oftentimes they'll have like a little special accent or a body posture that they use to, to sell this. Uh, very similar is a connection to spirits. Uh, so everybody's favorite here, uh, John Edwards of uh, Blavatsky. She was the one who founded Theosophy, but, you know, she herself claimed to have this connection with spirits. Um, we see this in many, many forms. People who say that they can either connect to people who have died, loved ones, or important figures in history. And aliens, oh my goodness, well, that one certainly has caught on in the last half century, which is, you know, a, another way to claim that there are intelligent races out in space and that they are speaking through us. And we have encountered that so many times with various religious groups, such as realism. There's that famous, the, the picture is from, that's Dorothy Martin from that famous uh, When Prophecies Fail uh, study, you know, this woman who was starting up her own group. And so she would receive these messages from the aliens. And there's others, you know, you could say that you're receiving messages from the stars or angels, uh, as Joseph Smith did. So uh, many different ways, and none of these are exclusive categories. You can mix and match, and you can talk to many different forms of the supernatural, but then you get to a problem. You actually have to say something. So there needs to be content to this message that comes from the source, the angels, the supernatural. And so let me give you some tips on how you can do that. And just in case you're not getting any real messages, you can kind of pretend like you are. So one simple way is just to say, okay, well, your grandmother has finally connected with you. And she's saying hi, as uh, one of our psychics famously would always say from every spirit she contacted, they say hi. Or you could say something more profound, like they see what you're doing, they love you, and they approve of you. You know, that's that's always a great thing to hear. Or, you know, maybe the aliens flew trillions of miles across the galaxy to come visit you. And they just want to let us know that we need to love each other or that we need to take care of our planet. You know, th these are nice messages. They're hard to argue with. So, yeah, say just kind of nice things that we all sort of agree with. Uh, but another really powerful tool is the deepity. 
And I'd like to thank Daniel Dennett, the philosopher, for that term, because I think it really captures well a technique that's used in a lot of these discourses to say something that is either true but trivial, kind of like some of those things we just talked about, or profound sounding like, whoa, that sounds amazing. Uh, but then if you parse it, you realize it's either just altogether false or it's nonsensical. So an example he used was love is just a word. Nope. Okay, yeah, that sounds pretty cool. When you break it down, all right, well, what have you actually said? One of Carrie's and my favorites came from the Ethereum Society. We're still trying to figure this one out. Service is the jewel in the rock of attainment. And the more you think about it, the less sense it makes. It's, it's such a piece of gold. If you can figure it out, let me know. Aleister Crowley was great at this. And so he would fill long passages and books full of stuff like, a man must think of himself as a logos, as going, not as a fixed idea. Do what thou wilt is thus necessarily his formula. He only becomes himself when he attains the loss of egoity, of the sense of separateness. He becomes all, pan, when he becomes zero. Whoa, okay, chew on that one for a while. So as a cult leader, this is going to be very helpful to you if you can kind of form these sorts of statements. Now, Teal Swan, I think, is someone who has a real uh, particular knack for this. Um, so saying things like, following your joy is the North Star of being in the flow. Okay. All right. Got to figure that one out. The wow. Okay. The, that one's hard to break down, but give it a shot. Uh, also, at her conference, we found that you could buy for $99 her personal calligraphy. I'll leave it up to the calligraphers out there to judge just how good that calligraphy is. Um, but you get statements like, the better it gets, the better it gets. Okay, it's a tautology. Uh, maybe it could be helpful to somebody in, in a certain situation who needs to hear that. But I don't know if there's too much depth there. Or something like, uh, uncertainty is the only certainty. Okay. So there's a few other tips in here as you're creating your cult. Uh, one is to build new vocabulary. And L. Ron Hubbard was, I think, the master of this, of creating like a custom language for his adherents. Um, and he's kind of studied indirectly under Aleister Crowley because he was involved in the Ordo Templi Orientis for a while. But he would say things like Scientology. Oh, I got to use my L. Ron Hubbard voice. Scientology is the study of knowingness. It increases one's knowingness. But if a man were totally aware of what was going on around him, he would find it relatively simple to handle any outnesses in that. Well, what's an outness? And so he would also take known terms like critical and define them as really bad so that then when someone tried to introduce you to, you know, critical thought, you'd say, oh, you're critical. That's awful. You're low on the tone scale. Uh, Deepak Chopra is another person famously great at creating these statements that sound profound. But if you break them down, you realize they're just either patently false or nonsensical, such as DNA is a quantum computer that localizes a non-local omnipresent consciousness or spirit into space-time energy, information and matter. What? So sometimes it's important to have someone there who can sort of break that down and then say, you know, like that doesn't make any sense. Unless, of course, you are a cult leader using this language, in which case you don't want people to point out when you are blinding with science, in which case label them heretics or get them out of the room somehow. OK, so method three, another way you could kind of piggyback on the effort of other religions is to provide your own new interpretations of a religious text or practice. Uh, so again, you get to borrow that credibility. 
So for example, when we started going to Christian science services, we saw that uh, Mary Baker Eddy, their founder and discoverer, she had taken the scriptures and she'd searched through very carefully and found, you know, little correlative scriptures that told us about how we should handle our bodies and, and deal with illness. And of course, you always have to wonder, what does this have to do? Or like, wh why didn't the original text make this clearer if supposedly this message was the most important one? But as a cult leader, your job is to keep people from asking that particular question. So uh, just keep that in mind. Uh, you got to find ways to deal with that. Um, but, you know, other groups like the Kabbalah Center, Realism, I was really surprised to find that this UFO cult... Mm, well, again, I'll use the term advisedly here, but uh, that they were looking at the Christian scriptures and reinterpreting them. So what if all of these uh, visitations of angels and interactions with God in the Old Testament were actually the Elohim, these aliens? Uh, the Tony Alamo Ministries, that was another one where they were just prolific with pamphlets uh, that they were handing out, giving their own special spin on biblical texts. And oh, Pastor Melissa Scott is the gift that keeps on giving. She claims to speak over 26 languages, something like that, and expounds upon uh, the Bible. So these are just a few of many uh, examples there. And then another way, uh, and again, these are not mutually exclusive categories. You can do a little bit of all of the above and flavor to your own mix for your cult. But another way to go about it is to just describe your own personal vision or revelation. Maybe you were visited by that holy being. Um, and so that's how you got the special new word from above. Maybe you saw a burning bush and, you know, too bad everybody else missed it. Or, you know, you just came down from the mountain and here's what the guy told me. So, for example, uh, here I am uh, visiting a location where Mary was said to have appeared to someone in Watsonville, which is where I went to high school and met my wife near my hometown. And after Mary was present to this person in 1992, then she was spotted as an outline in a tree. And uh, never mind that that tree has since fallen down within the last few years, there are still daily supplicants, as I saw, coming to leave their candles and pray to the Virgin Mary. Uh, Joseph Smith famously was visited by Moroni and shared that story. Too bad everybody else missed it. Uh, drugs can be an amazing way to get visions and connect to new pathways in your brain and uh, share whatever it is that you discovered as veridical truth. And recently we had an investigation on a pyridine and these uh, pyramids that you could buy as hats. That's a long story, uh, but it was all backed up by this visitation by this Nordic looking blonde space alien named Semyazi. So there are many different ways that you can uh, create an external source that you have witnessed for your beliefs. Now, of course, uh, you're going to have to worry as a cult leader that others may come along and realize what you did and kind of do the same thing. They may say that they also had a vision or that they've also received a special message. So there are mechanisms that you have to use to proclaim that this is the, the final revelation or no more shall come. I've been told by source that no more messages are to come. And this is an endless debate within traditional religion, cessationism versus continuationism injunctions like Martin Luther had, you know, sola scriptura. And so uh, what I love is in the Book of Mormon, this moment where uh, they keep having to yell at Elder Cunningham as he's sort of riffing on themes as he's going door to door. You're making things up again, Elder Cunningham, which is hilarious because that's kind of what Joseph Smith did, right? Uh, but you're not supposed to.
uh, another really potent method of establishing these supernatural ideas is to write checks that can never be cashed. And I don't mean this in a literal way of actually writing checks, uh, but I'm talking about the uh, power of unfalsifiability. So in science, when you're making a claim, it's important to state it in such a way that it could be demonstrated to be wrong. So for example, if we found, as J.B.S. Haldane famously said, rabbit fossils in the Precambrian, that would invalidate evolution. We'd have to like, you know, go back to square one. How did this happen? This doesn't make any sense. And so there are ways to state your beliefs for your cult in such a way that they could never be shown to be falsifiable. So one that's a very early one, that's the gift that keeps on giving is the return of Jesus Christ. So many people are expecting it and they have ever since he delivered the message that he was coming back. Uh, he himself said, you know, some of you standing here will not taste death until you see the son of man coming at the right hand of the father. And yet, you know, he didn't. And now the followers, and they'll do this for you, they will then bend over backwards as apologists to find some way to reinterpret that and say, well, that was just metaphorical. I was talking about the church or what have you. And this has played out many times. For example, the Millerites, uh, they had the great disappointment in 1844 when Jesus failed to show up uh, for the second time. The goalpost had already been moved once uh, after his first failure to appear. And the branching that came from uh, that group led to the Seventh-day Adventists, the uh, Jehovah's Witnesses and the Seventh-day Adventists split off into the Branch Davidians. I remember our friend uh, David Koresh there. Um, so these things have long standing uh, tales that accompany them. Uh, so again, be careful as you're, uh, you're creating your cult here. These things can get a little out of hand. Uh, so there's Carrie and I in the center. Uh, we are holding our little uh, fun protest signs. I think Susan was there that day and a bunch of other friends from the IIG. And we were just giving a little public demonstration that we did not believe the world was going to end, as Harold Camping said on originally, I think it was May 2011. Uh, but then he had to revise when Jesus didn't show up to uh, October 2011. And of course, we remember Jesus did actually show up then. And I mentioned earlier, uh, our friend uh, Baba G, well, I didn't say his name, but he was in that self-realization fellowship lineup of faces. He's this figure who is reputed to have been around for thousands of years, and he's still living somewhere in the caves of Tibet. Uh, so you think, wow, that's cool. Are there interviews with him I can watch on YouTube? Well, no, uh, you know, he only appears to the faithful on rare occasion and he can even take on the form of other people. So, you know, you may see him and not even know it. Uh, again, this is the kind of thing that is uh, not falsifiable. You could never you could prove it to be true. You could give evidence for its truth, but you can never give evidence for its falsity, uh, at least not enough to get rid of the belief. So uh, that's another great way is to promise things that people want, like extended life, eternal life. You know, even if Lazarus was raised from the dead, he had to die again at some point, right? It's the check that never has to be cashed, but can still carry a lot of value. And then uh, the law of attraction, the idea of just, you know, bending the universe to your own will to put your uh, intention out there. What you can do then is collect a lot of success stories of people who have put out their intentions and they've done really well for themselves. And you just kind of ignore all the rest, the times that uh, things have not gone according to desire and uh, that you can write those off. Maybe the person, you, you can have them blame themselves. They didn't try hard enough. They didn't believe hard enough. 
All right. Now, this is a really exciting method here. This is my personal favorite because this is, uh, I think, what really connects to our interest in skepticism and things that, that Carrie and I do on the podcast. And that is to just perform supernatural acts. If you yourself can do things that defy ex explanation, defy um, the laws of physics, you really only need to do that once or twice. And then you've established like a really important pin that someone's going to put in their vision of reality and say, wow, well, he was able to do X. So therefore, I know that, you know, the world isn't just atoms and physics and all that stuff. There's something extra. And that will give you that influence and that credibility. Uh, so I'm going to break these into two categories. There's kind of magic tricks. These are things that I would say are really hard to do accidentally. Like you kind of have to know what you're doing when you perform one of these miracles. But then we'll talk about another category, which are ones that are just sort of misunderstandings of how the world actually works that could potentially be done unknowingly. Um, and that's a sort of a hazy uh, category there. So just know that there's a gradient along the way. So some of these magic tricks are things like stopping your pulse. This comes up a lot. I've seen Darren Brown do it in uh, performance. And oh, essentially what you do is you take like a squash ball or something and you put it under your armpit, squeeze it down in just the right spot and you can stop your pulse. So if someone comes and checks for your pulse only on your hand, make sure they're not doing it on your neck. You know, they'll say like, wow, he's dead. Um, and so I can't say for sure. But when we were uh, looking into the self-realization fellowship and I was reading like autobiography of a yogi, uh, Yogananda's claims about being able to control his own heartbeat um, and having it verified by people feeling his pulse told me he was probably performing a magic trick there, which ties into his death story, which is very interesting. I won't uh, get diverted to that. Bending spoons. I think you kind of have to know what you're doing, that you're doing a magic trick and you're either pre-bending a spoon and you're revealing it in such a way that it looks like you just did, or you've pre-weakened it. And, and then you've got it very supple and pliable and you can do it with very little effort in front of the viewers and make them think that you're moving things with your mind. Uh, so yeah, telekinesis in general, you know, uh, that tells me you're up to something. Uh, hot reading. So we'll talk about cold reading in just a bit, but hot reading where you um, are pulling out of the air seemingly really specific data on people. You, you kind of have to know that either you're wearing an earpiece or you've pre-researched them and pulled information about them. Uh, but this is really convincing. If someone hears that and they don't understand what's going on, they're really going to think that you're the real deal. Um, so then I've got a, a few fun examples here. For example, walking on water. So uh, one a group leader, I'll say, um, named Shakuntali Siberia that Carrie interviewed for the podcast. Uh, after we talked to her, we realized that she had on YouTube this video of herself walking on water. So I've, I've edited the clip down a little bit, but just watch closely, see if you see anything. Okay, well, if you missed it, don't feel bad because I didn't see it the first time. A listener pointed this out. And I'll highlight just one scene where, for some reason, the editors like added a little flash of light that moves around. I'll play this on loop a few times. Whoa. 
whatever could those little flashes of light be there for? Yes, maybe to distract you from the fact that you can see the board there uh, underneath her feet that she is walking on. So you don't do that one by accident or not knowing uh, that you are performing a trick. So uh, just make sure that you edit out that footage or you manipulate it or, you know, yeah, it should have just left that piece out. Another example of this is uh, levitation. So there are some really fun ways to uh, make it look like you are defying the laws of physics and and just floating in midair. Uh, this is one I would just love to test if someone would actually apply to the CFIIG for levitation. But what you'll usually find is that these people who appear to be floating are actually anchored. So you can see there with the guy on the left, he is clearly sitting on something, uh, uh, you know, a structure that is coming out. And then this one stick that he's holding onto, it is coming down and it looks like it's kind of tied into this mat. Sometimes it's bolted into the ground, but that's how he's actually achieving this very cool looking illusion. And then you have uh, like in transcendental meditation, you've got yogic flying. And this is the kind of thing that your adherents will say, oh yeah, it's totally possible. There's someone out there who's really high up in, in this organization. He's been doing this for years and he can actually levitate. Oh, okay. Can you show me how this works? And it very much turns out that they are jumping in the air and then getting a photo mid-bounce. And here's a good giveaway here with uh, this gentleman's hair. Um, and there's a great YouTube video showing someone building this exact illusion and, and how you can accomplish that. So that's one you don't do by accident. Uh, this came up in the James Randi tribute yesterday. And James Randi was excellent as a magician at exposing uh, these particular things. But don't worry, you can still get away with them. People, uh, Some people won't call you on it. Uh, but here's a great example of psychic surgery. You know, he's pressing down and he, what he's purporting to do, well, at least a psychic surgeon would be, someone like John of God from Brazil, they would say that they are um, psychically reaching in through the skin without puncturing it and pulling out blood. He's got like a little capsule here that James Randi is demonstrating. Yes. And it's down there, we don't get it on your trousers if we can help it. He can use um, to fake this effect. And then he's uh, palmed some some guts, you know, that he can pull out. Maybe it's uh, gauze or something like that. Oh, even the noise of breaking the capsule, that can be a great effect. Yeah, pretty good. Or I'll wait for him to pull out some gunk. There we go. Yeah, okay, so that's one way to make people believe that you have magic abilities. Another is to use some of these very many misunderstood phenomena uh, they're just cool kind of quirks of human nature or physics uh, that you can sort of take advantage of. So I can't go through all of these in great detail, but I'll just say this is not even a complete list. Uh, so, for example, pareidolia. Uh, this is our ability, our human ability to see random information and interpret it as patterns. Like we just we want to resolve things as patterns. And so if we see something, especially that looks like a face, we'll go that extra yard and we'll input the additional information to make that real. So you get a lot of, you know, Jesus's on tortillas, or here's some cookie monster pareidolia, both uh, in pasta form and in some geodes, pretty fantastic. And if you look over in that photo on the left of the guy rappelling into the cave, if you look at the outline of these rocks, yeah, it looks a lot like Abraham Lincoln, huh? Like he's watching this guy. But if you move the camera slightly, you know, probably won't look like Abraham Lincoln anymore. But hey, pretty cool when you encounter these things. Uh, you might all recognize the Godzilla in the clouds here or the word God written onto the shell of this tortoise. Pretty cool. Uh, but if you look, you'll see that other members of the species have very similar words written, sometimes dog or GDO or some other, you know, seeming letter. Uh, so that's something that you can hijack for your own purposes. 
And anywhere that you get random data, you can encourage people to read into it and insert messages. So you can do that with audio as well. This happens a lot with ghost hunting, uh, numerology, even um, conspiracy theory. Oh, goodness, there's so many here. We, we mentioned cold reading briefly, and that's where you pretend to have a lot of specific information about somebody uh, that you're gaining uh, just from either just from looking at them, visual information, saying things that are kind of generally true for everyone or uh, just throwing out a bunch of information and then grabbing onto whatever sticks. Uh, you know, oh, I'm getting an M or an N or an L. And then there's a crowd and someone says, oh, my mother's name started with an L. Aha. Later on, she'll say, you know, like he connected with my mom and knew that her name was Lorraine. Well, maybe not. But again, they'll do the work for you. A lot of other really interesting things that can happen on purpose or by accident. Uh, walking on coals is another one. This is one that Carrie and I did for the podcast. So as long as you don't overdo it, uh, learning from my personal story there, you can walk on hot burning coals as long as they've simmered down just enough. You know, they're not great thermal conductors. And then if you tell people that you were only able to do this because of your mental state, well, there you go. You, uh, you can sell them on that. Hi, everyone. I'm back. Oh, hey, Carrie. Hey, I organized this. I'm giving a talk here, but... Yes, I know. But I'm so important that I just drop into the middle of all the talks to talk about products I like. <laughs> okay, what you got? <laughs> Lay it on me. Well, this particular year, I've really been thinking about, well, what has really served me during the pandemic? And I've got to say the internet. When I've been cold yeah. and alone and yeah. tired, I've just turned to all my favorite well-designed websites. And I just say, God, this is beautiful. Yeah, you're absolutely right, especially about the power of the internet to bring us all together uh, Mm. during trying times. Mm, So if I want to create my own website, geez, what do I do? Now, what what do you do for a living? What would you want to make the website about? Uh, Let's see, I'm an animation trainer. Oh, wow. I also make a podcast. Oh, you make a podcast. Mm -hmm. I mean, one thing you could do, and I'm just thinking off the top of my head, you could make a website at Squarespace all about your podcast. That's an amazing idea. Squarespace, do they know how to accommodate a dream? Yes. Oh my God. I'm so glad you asked that. And so well-formed a question. Yes. Mm -hmm. A dream Mm -hmm. is in fact just a great idea that doesn't have a website yet. And you can make that dream a reality by going to squarespace.com. Mind blown. That's amazing. And I assume I can blog or publish content. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, that's standard. Can I promote a physical business or does it have to be an online business? Oh, no, it could be physical or online business. Okay, but what if I want to announce an upcoming event or special project? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I bet it has beautiful templates. Oh, my God. You have no idea. Beautiful templates. They're created by world-class designers. And then they also have this really powerful e-commerce functionality. Oh, wow. It's just so powerful. I don't really know how to measure the power of an e-commerce functionality, but this is very powerful. Watts or jewels. Exactly. Horsepower. I assume I can also buy domains and choose from Mm -hmm. extensions on Mm -hmm. those domains. Oh yeah, absolutely. There's dot horse, there's dot com, all the greats. Yeah. I'm assuming they also have 24-7 award-winning customer support. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And actually, here's what's interesting. They Mm. have won a Stevie Award for that customer support. Uh, So check out squarespace.com slash Ono for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, Ross, what should they do? Uh, You should use the offer code Ono, that's O-H-N-O, to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace. They didn't sponsor this conference but they do sponsor your favorite podcast. Well, uh, I guess goodbye, Carrie. Uh, oh, and you know what? Well, I've got you here. I, I And of course, don't worry, I'll introduce you again. But, um, <laughs> but what do you think of food? 
I'm for it. You're for it. Well, then, boy. I I love eating food. Okay. Oh, perfect. Uh, Have I got a product for you? This will involve food. I mean, I can't get that from Squarespace. It won't feed me. It's great, but it won't feed me. True. Although probably some of your favorite websites where you get food have been designed on Squarespace. You blew my mind again. I know. I know. But I'm not sure about this one. So anyway, you can skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy fun and affordable. That's amazing. I've heard they even offer 50 menu and market items to choose from every Mm. week. Mm -hmm. And that includes vegetarian, Mm -hmm. calorie smart and gourmet options, providing plenty of variety. God, you have heard right. And HelloFresh isn't just for meals. Their marketplace features a variety of add-ons for breakfast, dessert, seasonal snacks, like, and this is just off the top of my head, just one example, Mm -hmm. Pillsbury pumpkin cookie dough. That sounds amazing and timely. Exactly. Fall, autumn. And we've both tried HelloFresh. Mm-hmm. You know how this works. You mm-hmm. get a box. It comes to your home. All the appropriate parts are chilled. Yes. You grab that box. You take it inside. You open it up. You remove the items. They tell you how to recycle slash properly dispose of them. You put them in your fridge or you just start making them because it's a meal or yeah. multiple meals. You could make all of them at once if you wanted, you freak. But even better, make them one at a time and really savor the flavor because they really have some good meals there and they're not too complex. They hit that nice sweet spot mm-hmm. of, you know, you're not like, oh, this is boring why to even make this but you're also like this wasn't too much for me yeah remember you get to choose so i'll say oh i like the look of those enchiladas and then my wife will say oh you should get that pasta dish too yeah let's do that and then i just typically will make the meals when they arrive it was my idea to sign up for Mm HelloFresh, and then it's my opportunity to cook which i don't do too often i'm not a great cook my wife is but I follow those instructions. They give you the Mm -hmm. nice picture. They show you how it's supposed to look. What do you know? It works out every time. I have not made a bad meal with HelloFresh. And and everything's a little simplified for you. Maybe something will be a little cut up for you or, you Mm -hmm. know, the spices will be uh, pre-packaged for you. You know, make it a little simpler. But you felt like you made a meal because you did. Because you did. Because you did. And you should. So go to HelloFresh.com slash ONO14 and use code ONO14 for up to 14 free meals and get this, three free gifts. That's what Jesus got. Oh, yes. You can be like Jesus. You heard it here. That's HelloFresh.com slash ONO14 and code ONO14 for up to 14 free meals and three free gifts. I'm not saying they're frankincense, golden myrrh, but... But they might be. They could be. They might be. And you might be the risen Christ. Well... (laughs) (laughs) That's method one. Back to this incredible talk. And of course, he needs no introduction, but Ross (laughs) Balcher for 10 years has been doing incredible investigations. He has a PhD in botany. No, (laughs) right. Nope, nope, he doesn't. Okay, here he is. So many other really interesting real phenomena in here, like pendulums and dowsing rods and the idiomotor response. It's a real thing where, you know, you're making tiny muscular movements that you're not fully aware of. It's kind of bypassing your conscious brain and you're just really impressed. Wow, this is doing it on its own. And that's another powerful tool in your toolbox. Uh, sleep hallucinations are, you know, are real and vivid and sometimes life altering. Breathwork. Uh, Carrie and I did a holotropic breathwork session involved no drugs even. And yet we had these really potent visions 
that we took away from them that uh, we could ascribe meaning to if we had wanted to. Uh, constant chanting or mantras. Uh, I've spoken in tongues once in my life, and I feel it was because I was repeating over and over, I love you, Jesus, I love you, Jesus, in a hot, crowded room for a long time to the point where, you know, it was kind of like repeating a mantra and I was getting lightheaded before I could finally speak in tongues. Oh, goodness. Yeah, I uh, avoid getting into like NDEs uh, as much as I'd like to. Uh, hypnotism, audience participation, these are really powerful. So for example, I'll show a little clip from uh, some Bob Larson exorcisms. And, you know, judge for yourself if you think that this woman is filled with a demon or maybe she just kind of knows the situation she's in. She's done this before with Bob Larson and maybe she knows what's expected of her. Just down the road from Hollywood, California, I'm witnessing scenes that are... That's right. That's me there in the front row. Carrie sitting next to me. I rage, hate, anger. Find myself. Find myself. Disturbance of the Incas. Spare of the Incas. That murder. Murder. Death. Death. We have no more rights. We have no more rights. That's right. That was me behind him. I'm totally useless in that situation. Those other guys had a perfectly good handle on this demon. But if you set situations up in just a way that people kind of know what they're supposed to do, they'll probably do it. And another one is implanted memories. And in fact, Elizabeth Loftus in her talk yesterday, which is fantastic, she gave some uh, excellent tips as an addendum to this talk. You can implant memories with imagination, dream interpretation, hypnosis, exposure to other people's memories, false information, even doctored photographs, take advantage of those digital tools. So there you go, lots of ways to appear that you uh, have supernatural powers by performing supernatural acts. Method number seven is really simple. Just say that those things happened. You don't even have to do it. You know, that's even easier. You know, maybe Jesus appeared to 500 people after he resurrected, or maybe just one person wrote that he did. You know, you always have to keep that as a possibility. But just know that, again, if you've already kind of convinced people that you have this connection, that you can just sort of assert things and they will believe it. Because, you know, why would you lie? It's very hard to call someone on untruths. It's very awkward. And so most people won't do it. They'll just take your word for it. Speaking of which, and speaking of people doing a lot of work for you, you can gather testimonials. And Carrie and I see it on every like alternative medicine website. There's always like, you know, if you're lucky, there's a little science page. And that's really interesting to see what they say about the science behind it. But there's also a testimonial section and you can find just, you know, dozens of stories. It doesn't matter what you're saying. You can find people who will say maybe they just want to make you happy or maybe they really did feel like they benefited. They will write about it for you. Uh, so you can visit one of those Christian science reading rooms and just ask, hey, where are your testimonies of healing? And they've got books. They collect them every year and publish like these just accounts of people's illnesses going away just because they had the right form of thinking. Boy, I could give countless examples of this, but I, one of my favorites is this guy named Brazzo the Gazer. And I think he's he's just got it figured out. All he does is gets up. He stares at the audience for a long time, just meaningfully and soulfully. He looks at you with his, his big puppy dog eyes and people make the claims for him. They say, oh, wow, he healed me of this and just my life was changed around. Super clever. Now, Carrie did some digging and found that he had earlier said some extraordinary things, uh, but it seems like he never needs to do that at one of his appearances. He just shows up and stares. So uh, maybe that one's already been done before, but I bet you could find some way to work that yourself. 
Um, and then Carrie reminded me of this as I was uh, talking about some of these methods I was pulling together. She said, well, and of course, you could just sort of wait and take over once the original person dies, because even though they may say that they've got the method to live forever, eventually they're going to die. So another method is just to find a different cult leader and get in early on, uh, help run things, become like a really useful functionary, and then take over when they're gone. So, uh, you know, you've got David Miscavige, who famously sort of orchestrated this real, you know, stabbing in the back of all these other people within Scientology and uh, took himself from one of the Commodore's messengers up to, you know, the ecclesiastical leader of Scientology. And he's still there. Is Shri Harold Klemp is one of our favorites from Ekinkar. He's not a direct successor, uh, but, you know, he kind of grabbed the reins of powers of power by being in the actually it's the rod of power that's what it's literally called within the group and you know got to take over and he's just like the most boring midwest guy uh but he is now like the spiritual leader who visits people in their dreams brigham young uh you know very active leader but he didn't have to come up with all this he got to sort of ride on what joseph smith had established uh paul you could very easily argue that modern christianity is more reliant upon paul's teachings than even jesus's um and so he really took that fledgling religion and made it his own without even having met Jesus in person. And oh, that's weird. I don't know how Tim Cook got there. Anyways, so these are all uh, really powerful ways that you can create your own connection to the supernatural to establish your own personal influence. And like I said, a lot of people will do work for you. But just keep in mind that you may have to be comfortable with lying flat to people's faces and just saying crazy things that you yourself may not believe. Uh, and it, it may it may be a bit of a Faustian bargain. This may backfire on you in the future. There may be, I don't know, skeptics who come along and point out what you're doing, or maybe you'll just get tired of it and want to get out. Uh, there, it's really hard to call backsies once you've started a cult. And I think Carrie and I have spotted certain leaders at moments where they're trying to distance themselves and say, yeah, you know what, I'm going to get out of the day-to-day -day operations. Or, you know what, I'm not getting those messages anymore. People are going to say, well, maybe this is a test or, um, you know, they, they won't let you get out of it that easily. So, um, you know, things to think of uh, before you fully get going. But with that, I will leave open any additional time we have for Q&A. That was absolutely a blast. Thank you so much, Ross. I really enjoyed that. I took notes and I think that maybe we should have had you on for another hour. Okay. All right. Yeah, there's no, more okay. to talk about there for sure. There's, there's a lot of great talks, but boy, that was really interesting. You guys can catch him on Oh No, Ross and Carrie. The show is just terrific. It is so entertaining and he goes into a lot of detail of some of these wonderful things that are going on. I wanted to mention really quickly that Harold Camping thing we did in Hollywood with the IIG was so much fun. I mean, I remember Paula went and she took got a bunch of used clothing and she laid it out on the sidewalk and said, that was the, the crew that went up first. <laughs> oh my God, that's so funny. Oh my gosh, that was hilarious. Okay, so first question from GC. Are you aware of any cult leaders who gave it all up or shared regrets or hindsights or insights about why they did it? Uh, yeah, great question. You kind of anticipated that last uh, point that I was making, which is that, you know, sometimes people do grow weary of this. Um, like L. Ron Hubbard, he spent his last years off in a trailer somewhere. And as far as the church was concerned, he'd kind of gone crazy and he wasn't helping them anymore with his pronouncements. So they, they kind of wanted to sideline him. I think he wanted to kind of sideline himself. And then they had the, you know, the big event when he died. I'm trying to think. There, there's a movie. I'm struggling to remember the name. Um, Marjorie? Oh, Marjorie is a great film about faith healing. 
it started with a K and it was a guy who passed himself off as a guru, just sort of as an experiment. And oh, that's recent. Uh, yeah. It's on Netflix. Somebody you can, see it, on, chat, you can see it on Netflix and shoot, the name won't come to me. It's like a short name starts with a K, I think. Anyways, um, you know, like he went through the really awkward thing of just telling everybody, hey, you know what? Uh, actually, I, I just sort of started this for different reasons and really sorry. I didn't think it would go this far. And then you sort of see the fallout of that. It doesn't go too well. You know, people are really crestfallen. The way James Randi tells the story of using Carlos, the channeler, you know, a lot of people after he revealed, you know, actually, here's the methods he's using. He doesn't really have a connection to this supernatural entity. Some people said, well, I, we think you do. And now you're lying to us. You or you were telling the truth before, but now you're trying to hide that you have this access to truth. And that can happen with psychics. Uh, I've heard stories of people coming to even magic performers later and saying, hey, I, I see that you can really do this. Uh, can you please actually connect? I'll pay for I'll pay extra for a private session if you'll tell me, um, you know, what my mom has to say. Um, what's that? <laughs> they went to get they asked for the lottery numbers. Oh, yeah. Right. Right. So I, anyways, I, that's a great question. I can't think of any like clear examples, though, of people who successfully got away. Carrie put it in the chat. It's, I don't know how to pronounce it. It's K-U-M-A-R-E. Kumari. Okay. Thank you. Yes. That was the name of the the group that uh, the movie, it's a Netflix, right? Yeah. 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 So, it's worth, it's worth watching. Okay. So Eugenie Scott, whose birthday is today. Happy birthday, Jeannie. Uh, what's the most interesting cult you've examined and why? <laughs> well, yeah. Happy birthday, Eugenie. And Eugenie was also on our podcast. Uh, so you can uh, find that one of our earlier episodes. Ooh, most interesting. That's tough. I, I feel like I'd have to break it down for like, you know, certain qualifications, what group would be the most interesting because like people endlessly want to hear about Scientology. No one has ever told us like, please stop talking about Scientology because it is so on the on the nose, like kind of everything that you would imagine of a stereotypical cult, they do, and yet still they're around. Uh, they're not as big as everybody thinks. It's only like mm -hmm. 35,000 members maybe, mm -hmm. but they have an outsized influence. So they're endlessly interesting, their history. To list one maybe a little less well-known, I would say one of my favorites was the Aetherius Society. Um, it was this small group that both believed in UFOs, but also things like the Ascended Masters that you could channel. They had mantras. They took us up to this holy mountain, the, uh, one of 19 in the world. And they we had like a ceremony where we captured prayer energy in a battery, you know, and, and it was one of those ones where it's like, if this caught on, they were, they're kind of harmless. Scientology is very harmful and destructive. I would say this one was not destructive where you know, if they were ruling the world, maybe it wouldn't be that much of a, of a worse place. I remember uh, uh, Sylvia Brown towards the end of her life, especially when she was on the cruise ships with her believers, she would do everything she could to avoid them. Like she was, ha she's in mm. a wheelchair and she'd, she'd see somebody there and she'd be like, take me the other way, take me the other way. She, she was done with it, I think too. I, you yeah. know, you think about it, you're in a cult. Last thing you want to do is hang out with believers, you know. Right. Well, and that's another one of those dangers, you know, like maybe you use these methods to get a group of followers, but if you're using trickery, you might start to despise them and kind of look down upon them. Like, well, I'd rather be respected by these other people who didn't fall for what I, uh, what I had to say. So according to Jason Bush behind the scenes, no, Jay Diamond's cracking up on one of her broadcast control rooms during the church scene. Awesome. Okay. He says, have you ever been accused of being in a cult yourself? Skeptic cult, skeptical cult. 
Yeah, well, like I said, if you're getting one started, let me know. I, I want to get on the ground floor and maybe I can take over later, like uh, Shri Harold Klemp. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, Carrie and I think about this often and I've joked that if I did start a cult, it would be like Cult of the Red Flags or at least there would be this red flag symbology, whatever the name is, where we would write like big words like love and hope and patience on big red flags. And then later on, if people said, you know, like, wait a second, I didn't realize this was a cult and that you were going to control my life. I'd say, mm-hmm. you didn't see the red flags. Oh, that's brilliant. I want to join that one. Let me know if you decide on that one. I, I really want to. I know the psychics, Mark Edward was always telling me that the, uh, you could have gone into cold reading and become, you know, made it, millions but then you gotta look at yourself in the mirror you know so okay according to richard murray are there any other groups that you could see yourself falling victim to or that are particularly in such insidious other than scientology since we all know you're clear yeah (laughs) yeah and i you know to use scientology as an example i think a lot of people join out of best intentions uh and i think that's maybe how they might get me if they were doing something that i really agreed with like well that's a good cause to help the planet you know maybe they there's a lot of religions that have a food component or will um promote vegetarianism or something like that might look and say like okay well it seems like your heart's in the right place and and maybe the way that they love bomb you they engage you and get you involved deeply within the group is to be doing community service i could see getting involved with that and like hey all right awesome we're doing stuff together and then like slowly they could start revealing some of the actual beliefs and uh, i find a lot of groups do that where they sort of uh, go for the slow boil effect where um, you don't get it all right off the bat. Okay. According to Carrie, I think you've heard of this person. Carrie, she is. I, mm. I hear her once in a no. while in places. Ross, it is. Question, which of these tactics would you use if you had to start a cult? What would be your best shot? Don't waste your shot. <laughs> uh, yeah, the name sounds familiar. Carrie. Um, uh, is it getting a P? It'll, it'll come to me. One of the things I say is in, in this talk, you know, it, it takes a special type of personality to pull this off. I don't think I have it. I don't think I have what it takes because like if I walked on water, I'd want to be like, okay, everybody come over here. You want to see how I did it? You know, and instantly <laughs> give it away. But my best technique out of these, I think I, I do enjoy that method six, like all of those supernatural acts. I think I would really want to stage a bunch of those and, um, you know, give the people the signs and wonders and then and then hopefully slip in some good message about the world. Carl says, have you ever witnessed something and been tempted to attribute meaning despite your skeptical background? Have you found something emotionally tempting in the moment? And I believe this is our last question. OK, yeah, I I would say that actually I'm really happy when this happens. Uh, very often, I would say when we're. Uh, researching one of these groups or joining them, I do have this moment where like, I can just sort of see, like I I get that window into the world that the believer has and like, Oh yeah. Okay. I could see if, you know, the, you know, current president of the church was the chief seer prophet and revelator, how all these other things would fall into place. Mm -hmm. And and I, I can just for a minute kind of appreciate that full view. So I think that's important for us as investigators to occasionally really get our mind in that place. Um, But I would say for me personally, like the last time I really felt like I was personally superstitious, it was a few years after I had left my Christian upbringing and I was driving and I, I said something to the people in the car about how, oh, the traffic's really good today. And then I instantly felt like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. (laughs) And, and I kind of caught myself and realized like, 
well, wait, why shouldn't I have said that? That it won't affect anything. Like it doesn't affect the flow of traffic. No, none of the other drivers could hear me say it. Uh, you know, if there is worse traffic after I say this, it is purely coincidence. But it was kind of the last time I sort of caught that visceral feeling inside myself where I really had a, I think, a superstitious thought. Humans are fascinating. We're complicated and fascinating. I, yeah. I, I tell you. Well, anyway, Ross, that was terrific. Thank you so much for doing the Q&A. The time just flew by. Thank you. Susan. Thank you so much for coming and agreeing to be uh, virtual with us. Uh, I know you were going to be live with us when we thought we were going to do the conference last year. So My really pleasure. appreciate it. Thanks it's, again. We're just, it's such a good friend and such a good, such an important part of our community. I really appreciate it. Thank All you. you do, you and Carrie. Thank you so much. Ross, incredible. Thank you so much for being here at SkepticalCon, which I run. Thank you, Carrie Bobby. I have to go. Clip, 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 clip. Oh, hey, Ross, that was great. Hey, oh, thank you. Thanks, uh, thanks for your fun question at the end, which no we talked about afterward because you were saying I wasn't expecting you to answer. Yeah. You know, in the moment, I was my first thought was just like, well, I don't ever anticipate that I will start a cult. Sure. But, but I just thought, ooh, I, I would, though, love to perpetrate some of those miracles, like yeah. actually make paranormal stuff happen. But the answer you were expecting from me is probably the more correct answer. I think that you were probably thinking of it in, yeah, more fairy tale terms, knowing mm -hmm. uh, you will never have to do this. But I do think if it happened in real life and for some reason a gun was held to your head and you had to be a cult leader, yeah. I think you'd be the, you'd have to be David Miscavige. Mm -hmm. I think because what's rare about those people is a willingness to just put in endless amounts of work. Okay. I could see that. And perpetuating a legacy, I could see myself getting into that. Like, oh, mm. I don't want to see this thing die away, but I want it to be oh, done right. Yeah. I'll do it right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me help your dream carry on into the future, even though you're dead now. Oh, I hadn't I'm thought of that. I'm still going to try to earn your approval. You've brought that up about yourself in a couple investigations where like you know someone can't get their slideshow running and you're like i have to help them <laughs> yeah, yeah i don't want to see this slideshow but i must yeah. yeah the blank page terrifies me but if you give me a sloppy page that you've written i'll be like well, let me <laughs> let me clean this up for you yeah i'll make it sure. better but yeah. but you do you think uh, you'd be the same way or no i think that i would be i forget which number option it was but the person who after the fact convinces you that you did some miraculous thing in the past oh. Oh, okay. reconfigures your memory of that thing by being like, no, remember it was like this until yeah, kinda... you, you don't remember that? Like, oh, all your friends were there when I walked on water. Oh. Just trust me. That's how it happened. Oh, yeah. That's the saying something happened without actually doing it. Right. Yes. yes. I, I think that so, would be where I'd shine. That's, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it's a special hat trick. And uh, if you can pull it out, I it mean, works. I'm, not confident I'd be great at it, but I think that'd be my best shot. Okay. Whereas like the, oh my gosh, the magic tricks, no way, <laughs> no way. I would just immediately start joking about how I wasn't doing the magic trick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> That's funny. Whereas I would immediately explain it. This is, <laughs> this is how I did it. I can't bear for you not to know. And you know what's really a bummer? Yeah. We would still have followers. <laughs> We would. Uh, what like, if there's a, like a survey we can put out? Like, would you still join our cult even though <laughs> we've just admitted? I mean, people will say no. But when it actually happens, there's a few leaders who have been like, no, seriously, I wish I hadn't done this. I am no freaking big deal. Please stop. And they're still like, uh-huh, you are God. And I think we've seen even examples of people who are not charismatic who can mm -hmm. still like pull people yeah. after them. It's just, I don't know, it's, it's scratching some itch for people. Yeah. On 
the following side. And it's also just rare enough mm -hmm. that we, uh, if someone has the cojones to even for a second yeah. say, yeah. I'm a really fucking big deal. Yeah. It's hard for most of us. It's hard to imagine ever saying that. So it's like, there must have been something there. There was a book I read called Fantasyland. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, I can't think of that guy's name, but yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, Kurt Anderson. Anderson. Yep. Okay. And it was like a 500-year history of the U.S. and kind of what set us up to be a particularly fertile ground for mm. fantasy. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the components that came across in America is that we don't like confronting people and telling them they're wrong. Saying yeah. like, you know, that's bullshit, actually. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're just like, oh, okay, well, let me take you seriously. And we'll start from that place of belief. And there's good things about that. Yeah. That's how you get, you know, your big theme parks and... <laughs> <laughs> Community. Stuff like that, yeah. And, or Disneyland. And <laughs> I wasn't going to name the theme park. But <laughs> so you get Knott's Berry Farm. So it's all fine. It all comes out in the watch. Uh, anyways, that was a good book. Well, thank you all for listening to this talk. Uh, thank you, Carrie, for signing up. And Thanks for doing it. Being part of it, absolutely. And uh, I guess that's it for our show. Our theme music is by Brian Keith Dalton. Our administrative manager is Ian Kramer. This episode was edited by Ross Blotcher. Hello. You can support us by going to MaximumFun.org slash join and becoming a member of the Maximum Fun family. I should say, we just recorded one of our promised Maximum yes! Fun donor episodes. And I'm, fun. I'm mentioning it now here on the podcast so that you will expect it soon. And that means I will edit it. <laughs> uh, it's a really fun look at the Christian music and songs, worship songs, praise songs, little kid songs that we learned when we were Christians and that really stuck with us. Yeah, it is about one third album us singing the songs yeah. about two thirds us talking about them yeah we kind of pitched it as an album because we had done that album before where we sang Disney classics this one is more like an episode where we just happen to sing a lot mm -hmm. uh, but I had so much fun recording it I think you'll have fun listening to it yeah it's good so if you are a Maximum Fun member you can access this episode I hope to drop it this week I'm going to listen to it and there's banjo in it that's right Carrie plays the banjo not very oh. well oh kinds of reasons to be a maximum fun supporter and again thank you to everybody who got us to many of our goals in yes. this past max fun drive thank you thank you thank uh, you you can also support us by leaving us a positive review telling a friend all that good stuff yes you can or start your own ross and carrie cult we mm -hmm. want nothing to do with it. <laughs> and thank you to everybody also who just joined us yesterday as we're releasing this episode for our laughter, laughter yoga, yoga party. If you missed it, I actually did get a recording of the call. So you can find that on YouTube. It's pretty fun. Yeah. You can laugh by proxy. It's a good time. Pretty infectious. And remember, from David Miscavige, as interviewed by Thomas C. Tobin in 1998. People keep saying, how'd you get power? Nobody gives you power. I'll tell you what power is. Power, in my estimation, is if people will listen to you. That's it. Hey, kid. Your dad tell you about the time he broke Stephen Dorff's nose at the Kids' Choice Awards? <laughs> In Dead Pilot Society, scripts that were developed by studios and networks but were never produced are given the table reads they deserve. When I was a kid, I had to spend my Christmas break filming a PSA about angel dust. So yeah, being a kid sucks sometimes. Presented by Andrew Reich and Ben Blacker. Dead Pilot Society, twice a month on MaximumFun.org. You know, the show you like, that hobo with the scarf who lives in a magic dumpster. <laughs> 
Doctor Who. Yeah. Bria, what's your reader wheelhouse? A woman on a journey, space, post-apocalyptic roads, and magical food. Mallory, what's your reader wheelhouse? Werewolves, haunted houses, weird fiction, and uh, books set in Florida for, for some reason. We're reading glasses, and we want to know what your reader wheelhouse is. We can use it to help you find more books that you love. And avoid books that you don't. So whatever you like to read about and however you like to read it, we want to help you read better. Reading glasses, every Thursday on Maximum Fun. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.